0: Shalom, and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording from our Rembaum Institute series, The Poetry of Prayer, with Rabbi Joel Rembaum. Tonight, we're going to conclude with these. We're going to move on to the next prayer, but I just wanted to let you think, consider a couple of questions about the Baruch Sheamar. As we talked about last week, the first part deals with all kinds of divine qualities. And then the second part sort of wraps it up into the, into the, into the single God. But the point is, number one, we said God's name isn't even mentioned in the first part, right? It's not there. It's assumed and it's clear that it's assumed, but it's almost as if it begins with this amorphous kind of a process. That, 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 was there when, one second, um, an amorphous kind of a process. And, and only after the fact do we realize that this process gives evidence of the fact there's got to be one God. But there's something else not to forget. Am Yisrael is not mentioned in Baruch Shemar It's totally universal, which is interesting. It's a prayer and our prayer book doesn't even mention our really, our, our relationship as a people to God, and that's something you've got to notice when you deal with the, the liturgy that deals with P'suke de Zimra. There's a sense because you'll see it again in the in the introduction on what we do on Shabbat. This concept of everyone, all of creation, and and it's, the point is, if you think about it, Baruch she'amar hayah blessed be. Uh, the one who spoke and the world came into existence so it begins this is the if this is the only god then this is the god of all creatures okay and and that's the point that's the the first level of god and we'll talk about this a little bit later come back to it but here here's a question um why is that a fitting beginning to the to the service in the synagogue. Okay, why is that a good beginning to the service in the synagogue?
1: Tybal. Um because if part of it our services are the three themes which sometimes with the patriarchs which are creation, revelation, redemption. Creation was for all human beings and that will also remind us the thing about having respect and honor to every living thing and also as it got expanded in Perque Avos I like to think often about how it says you can learn something from everybody whoever that person is and that is a reminder of who the everybody is and maybe just one more thing the same way why Nisan is the first month religiously because it's the month of our peoplehood, but Tishrei is the birthday of the world in the seventh month and it's everybody's. It's a reminder that that even if Jews are supposed to be a light among the nation, there are all those other nations and it behooves us to remember that we're part of it all.
0: Correct, good, well-spoken. Yes. Exactly. And that's, you're, it's going to pop up again, as I said, <clears throat> in the, in these prelim, in this, uh, what shall we call it? Synagogue preliminary exper- prayer experience. Very good. But the notion Amar, let's not forget that. Baruch She Amar, God spoke. Why does it say that? If you
2: compare it with other creation myths, we have God's fighting, and that's how the world was created, or there are other creation stories that have copulation between gods, and that's how the earth was born. And I guess an invisible god has to create the world with something invisible, which is wor- which is words. Also, can you uh I don't mean to dwell on words, but I love them. Talk about the word baruch, it's all over the place, and I know it's generally. Translated as blessed, but I've heard it translated as also blessing and other things. Well, so what what in the world does that word word
0: mean? Apparently, I, I I actually looked it up. <laughs> what I discovered in the Encyclopedia Micrae, the Biblical Encyclopedia, and the suggestion that was there is that it actually comes the if you see how it is, uh, it, it actually means gift. A gifted, so it's almost as if when we say a blessing, we are sending a gift to god and and in a sense, if you think about the way prayer took the place of sacrifice, sacrifice you know they were it was a gift to God in the pagan realm. it was literally a gift that kept the gods alive in the Jewish realm in the ancient days of the temple, it was intended to be a gift of gratitude or Supplication, but it was a kind of a recognition that <clears throat> there is this higher being and we are sending something back up to this higher being that uh, represents our commitment to that being, even is, as, there, is there
2: at all a sense that the gift comes the other way that it's uh,
0: no, uh, but it can go both ways. I mean, yeah. You're, you're saying, blessed be God. You're sending it up to, to God. So it's a kind of a reciprocal gift giving. And that, that I always have found that very interesting. So uh, when you say Baruch, you could say, gifted are you God by my blessing that I'm reaching out to you with. Interesting to think about that, huh? So it's, uh, yeah. But when
2: I first, when I got, when I first got into prayer, it bothered me that it seemed like we were just buttering up God all the
0: time. Well, but you do, <laughs> if you think about it, if God is your parent, right? You have to respect your parent. Please, Daddy, please, Daddy, I'll, you'll be my best friend. You know, that type of thing, right? That's normal. Nothing wrong. In fact, Sadhya Gaon, the great Sadhya Gaon says, you know, people compl- wondered, why is it that in the weekday Amidah, the, the middle blessings are all your supplications? We're asking for this, asking for that, asking for this. Sadhya ultimate was ultimately, ultimately, who else, whom else are you going to ask? Right? Everything's going to, everything comes from this source. And it makes you aware of that fact. So that's the answer to that. Right, but there's one final, just a technical point, because I'm trying also to sensitize you to the use of language. Um, What verb, well, you probably can figure it out already, (laughs) Uh, rather than ask the question, I'll tell you. The verb amar, to speak, appears in the first creation account, which begins Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 4. A, the first part of verse four. Okay. What word, what verb appears more than any other? You'd think, well, create, right? Or made. No. Amar occurs ten times, ten times. And there's a whole midrash on there were ten steps or ten things that, that happened as part of the creation of the world. Or God created ten different things before creation, even. I mean, the whole notion of 10 flows out of the fact that the verb Amar is mentioned 10 times. And that's very interesting because it sort of picks up on what Bert said before. This is a non-physical, non material deity. And if you think about it, speech, right? You can't see my mouth now, right? But you can hear my voice. So language is invisible. It's most appropriate then for a God who's invisible. And it it, it really emphasizes the non-physicality of this deity. So there's a lot of deep theology woven into the words that are used, uh, in the Bible and in our prayers. All right. Now we're going to turn to Yishtabach, page 69 in your Machzor. This is the, uh, the end blessing of the ver of the uh uh psalms that are part of that 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 comprise that section okay and we're as i said last week for shabbat and holidays we're going to jump back uh, in a minute to the pre what precedes on the special days before Yishtabach. but it's the end okay so I'm mean, going to look at the, read it to yourselves on page 69, the bottom paragraph. Please read it to yourselves. May your name be praised. Shimcha, name. Why are we talking about God's name being praised? Why not say, Yishtabach Elohim, or Yishtabach Adonai,
1: La'ad Kenu? Why the name? Because it's the only thing that we know. The, the name is the identity
3: of, of Hashem. It's, it's it's like I I am who I am and who I am is Barbara Brieger and you're Joel Rembaum and no one else can be Joel Rembaum because only you, what comprises you, is Joel Rembaum and only Hashem
0: is Hashem. All right so so a sort of representative of God's identity of his yeah. person of God's being yeah all right by the way you can unmute
2: i have heard uh, that name in biblical biblical times was like the, <clears throat> the essence of something yes the, the essence of the character well that's I, what saying, to right? me following what barbara said mm. yeah. name is are the way we connect to God. Really we connect true. to God by saying a name. Right. And so every time I hear the word name, it's like that line between me and God. Yes. To me, so, this is more not so much God's essence as may the connection between us and God be. Blessed.
0: Right. All right. So let me cut you off and say that that is correct. And you think about it, when you talk to another person, mm-hmm. you, if you say, hey, you, <laughs> Right? It's distancing, right? Say their name, right? That means you're, you're consciously connecting. And so that's part of it. Absolutely. The foundation of this comes out of, and I think what Bert said is correct. It was also this notion of it somehow there's power in the name. Mm. There's all kinds of stories in the mythology of, in Jewish mythology. Of the power of the name of God, all right, and but it's very interesting. It's it's a representative of the presence of God. Yeah, if you read Deuteronomy closely, you know to say for Devarim, the book of the Torah, you read it closely, it never says that the that God is Shochem, God is dwelling in the temple. It doesn't say my presence. In Exodus and all the other ones, it's clear. The cloud comes into the temple. Mm-hmm. God is there. You know, God leads the people, <clears throat> desert, right? All these different things. At beginning, it says in Shemot, build me a Mishkan and I will dwell in their midst. God was right in the middle of the people, okay? Deuteronomy, God never appears in the midst of the people. God lives in heaven. End of discussion. Now, what does God say that you put in the Mishkan? The words. My name. My name. Right? You shall only offer sacrifices. Deuteronomy chapter 12. You only offer sacrifices in the place where I call my name, cause my name to be. So God's name was there when God, according to Devarim, when God spoke at Sinai, He never came down on the mountain. There was a flame from heaven which came down, and that was the loudspeaker. God spoke from heaven, but it came out through the flame, maybe lightning. Okay, so God was not there. This, his presence, God's presence, was up was remained up there. That's the theology of Deuteronomy. Interesting, because it seems to go to conflict with everything else. So Deuteronomy, of all three, of all five of the books, is the one that seeks to push biblical religion further away from idolatry.
2: If one accepts a scholarly hypothesis, which is that Deuteronomy was written a lot later,
0: yeah, of course. And
2: that could be, that, that could be interpreted as being an evolution in how the Jewish people understood God.
0: Right. Except that one thing though is you got the priestly traditions.
2: Right. Which intermix.
0: Which, which continue to operate before Deuteronomy and even afterwards. And their perspective was, of course, that the presence is <laughs> in, inside because that's why the high priest on Yom Kippur has to have The smoke coming up when he goes in, God forbid he should see the divine presence. So it's interesting. Right there you have simultaneously two different theologies operating. Okay. So what else is new? Right. We say today, we say today, uh, you know, why there's so many different ways to get to God. Nothing new.
1: Okay. So, Rabbi? That was named, yes. Do you think that there's any intended reminder of when Avram became Avraham, but even more so Yaakov became Yisrael, that the meanings of the new names are more praiseworthy than the previous names? Hard to know because, I
0: mean, Avraham, the meaning was because it was expanded, the father of many nations, right? It, it, it didn't make. I don't think it had a difference in terms of the relationship with God, but remember the understanding was that from that through Yishmael, and then later on through Esau, Esav, right? Other nations were created. So I mean that's the meaning there. But Jacob and Israel, Jacob continues to be used. It's really interesting. You'd think that after the wrestling. The name of Jacob would never be found. It continues to be used. So, uh, I'm not sure that it has, you know, it, it, it's a different side of him. It, yes, it means it could mean an expanded meaning of, of based upon experiences. You know, there's no question that Abraham's significance globally was greater because of the other nations that came out, right? But in terms of the relationship with God, he could have stayed as Avram and it would not have made any difference. Okay? With with Yisrael, yes, I think there it, it uh it it you know it built in a different notion of of what Jacob uh was going through. And in fact, if you just look at the stories of Jacob, this is a guy who struggles with his own self definition and even of how he should be functioning.
2: And he doesn't die a happy man.
0: Wait, wait. wait. At a certain point, raise hands, please. If we want to talk, raise hands. At a certain point, um, you know, he sort of becomes his own worst enemy. Because he's he creates processes that come back to bite him. So it's uh that name and you know, the name change <laughs> it it's uh it implies certain other you know, he's struggling, this that whole concept that we use. Okay, Bert, yeah, quickly. Oh wait, Bar Barbara, did you have your hand up? Yeah. Go ahead.
3: And and that's where the name the the word Hashem, the name is used. That yes, way. that's right. For God
0: is exactly. I mean that's that's a very striking thing. That, yeah, that but that, it's also but it's also because Yudhe Yod- <laughs> Bob is God's private name. Correct. Correct. Technically, oh, Bert mentioned in his drosh, there are seventy names for God. you're not going to find that in the talmud it's it's that's Kabbalah it's mysticism, but it's okay, it's okay um but yes if it, that's uh, that's right, all right, Bert, you want to have a quick comment? Uh, no
2: just that Jacob didn't die a happy man, and as right, you exactly, right. yeah. the wrestling continued
0: yep, all right, so may your name be praised forever, Malkanu, our king. Right? Ha'el ha'melech ha'gado va kadosh. Right? The god, the god, the el. Okay? The el. Now remember, el is not a, is, is not simply a Hebrew name. El, el was the name of the chief god of the Canaanite pantheon. Oh like really? It's, it's a, it's a Canaanite pagan, Canaanite pagan name that was Repurposed is the term we use in Bible studies in reference to God. Okay. So here it clearly means the God. It's a, it's a, it's a synonym for chief God. But in the place in context of Israel, it's chief and only, or maybe not. Some of you took my, some of my previous Bible classes and we realized we remember if you, if you do remember, that we had a mini pantheon among the Israelites for many centuries. Okay, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Talks about paganism within the Israelite people, big sin, temple destroyed for that reason. So elements of the early pagan religions continued to function within Israelite uh, society. Basically, till the destruction of the temple in five eighty six. Okay, how many how many uh, deities were in the temples of the northern kingdom? There were two golden calves, mm-hmm. right? You know about this? No. Yeah, two golden calves, one in Dan and one in Betel. It's in the it's in the Book of Numbers uh, Kings. It's clear, right? Two two of them. But what was it? It's a golden calf. What does it say in the second commandment? Do not make an image of anything under the heavens. I believe calves live under the heavens, right? They're on earth. No images and don't worship and don't make them, don't worship them, don't believe in them, nothing. And Jeroboam puts one in each of his temples. Hmm. That's not nice, is it? Okay. Just a second. Okay. I see you, Barbara. One minute. All right. So, um, so the, that was, a, it was a real problem that continued to function in the Israelis. So I'll go, I'm not going to, I'll just leave it at that. There's more to be said, but not now. Barbara, yeah, quickly. Yeah. How do, how do we
3: uh, allow our minds to believe that it's okay to have photographs if we're not
0: supposed to have images? Oh, well, let's not go into that right now. Okay. <laughs> all right no that's it's different and the point is that was the quick answer that was within the context of of an ancient pagan society when the uh, um the uh re the need the the need was to radically avoid it today it's different i mm-hmm. mean you know look at you know the 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 uh Remember the old football, the baseball cards and the football cards and the basketball cards came with the bubble gum? My mom threw mine away. I wanted to kill her. (laughs) Yeah, right. But you know, there's, there's in the Orthodox circles, there are all the great rabbis cards, right? All these different images, pictures of rabbis. And they're all made up because nobody knows what they look like, you know, and they all look like excuse me, um, Northern, northern, North, Central, Euro, Eastern, Eastern European Jews from the 17th, 18th, and 19th century. You know. Yes. So uh, there they are, you know, and they were not made, they're, they're not used and held by Catholics, I guarantee you. All right. Well, but you should see what they, when you go into a Catholic church in Europe, especially, I think, to see yeah. the number of images, well, the rabbis the ta- in the Middle Ages, Jews called it Beit was In their eyes, it was paganism. They didn't know the subtleties. All right, moving on. So, so blessed, praise be God's name, the King who's great and holy on heaven and on earth. Right, and it's appropriate that we sing psalms of praise. All right, uh, all right. So. This is what we are now. Poetry, poetry. What is it appropriate for us to say? Shir ushvach. Let me read the Hebrew first. Shir Ushvacha. Hail. Sorry. Shir Ushvacha. Halel v'zimra. Oz memshalah. Netzach gedulah. Ugbura. Tihila b'tiferet. Kedusha u'malchut. Brachot pahodat. A whole list of synonyms and variations on the theme of praising God. That list. Do you know how many there are in that list? 15 words. All expressing basically the same thing. It's that same phenomenon again that we talked about last week. But now, in extreme ways. I mean, again... We don't normally speak that way, where we list fifteen, you know, terms that are sort of basically saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. So th- this is part of this literary tradition that goes back to the ancient, the ancient. Uh, 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 mystical traditions that that were at the time of the Talmud. And it's a form of, if, if, if the way it's used here, it's poetic because there is a kind of a rhythm to it. And what's very interesting, there's a structure here. It, if you look closely, it, and again, the English does not convey this, unfortunately. You have two words, shir connected. Halel connected. connected. Ozumem Shala connected. Three times, two words are connected. Then you have netzach gedula ugbura, three words. Then tihilavati v'tiferet, connected. Kedusha u'malchut, connected. Brachot v'hodaot, connected. connected. So it's two, 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 three, two, two, two. It's a structure. And I don't think it's random. And the point is, again, we talked about this last time, that this is a way that the author of the poem through poetry is trying to convey a very powerful principle, right? And what this is talking about is the notion of praising God because of all of God's amazing qualities. That's what this is. And this is a way of of admitting we really can't do it. So what do we do? We say, I know I can't successfully do it. So I'll do a long one anyway. It'll show to me and to everybody else that this deity is beyond normal expression. Beyond normal expression. The Anim Zmirot, there's a, a poem that is found in the liturgy on Shabbat uh, at the end of the service. Uh, and it's after Aalenu. And usually it's the kind of a thing if you go to a traditional synagogue, the child reads it. You know, Peshirim oh. Meherog, Okay, but I only remember the hearing it in my mind, he says, A little voice, a little child's voice singing it. In that poem, it says, That they tried, and this is amazing, it was written in about 1200 in Germany by a mystic. But what the guy says is they use all kinds of metaphors to express you to God, he's saying, but that's really not you. They're inadequate. But since we recognize the fact that they're inadequate, okay, so we'll do it. So he says, they talk about you, you know, you're at this time of day, you're young, that time of day, you're old, you're this, you're that, you know, all kinds of things. And he's saying, but ultimately, we cannot, we cannot understand you. We can't know you. We can't know you. And I think I said, this is something that mystics and philosophers agree upon, ironically. And that's part of what's going on here. So it's a reminder that we are little pea-brain human beings confronting this Baruch She'amar Ve'hayah Ha'ulam, this deity who spoke and the world came into being. Who knows, the Big Bang may have been a word. No, that's not science, okay? It's not science, because we don't know what the Big Bang was. That's science. We don't know how it began. You know about that? You know what I'm talking about? There is, there is this, I'm going to all the little details, but science will tell you there is a nanosecond after the big bang before something appears that we can actually measure. And what happened with the, what the actual process of the big bang was, nobody knows. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, Bert. Well, I just think
2: it's interesting. We were talking about words before. The Big Bang using those words, it's a sound. A sound, right, exactly. Big Bang is a sound. Sound, good, yes. So, the I, want, I want to say something else. You know, last week you were talking about counting words. Yeah. They were, okay, and, and I noticed in going through this, because I was trying to think of where you were going to go with it, that Shir Vaha Halel Zimra, Okay, so you have four words, then five words, then you have four words, and then five words. No, it's Shir Ushvacha,
0: two. Two, and, uh, f- and. and,
2: and uh, oh, okay, it, I'm all sorry. Of it I'm
0: two. That's Akadullah, they're all connected so by a
2: vowel. Ah, I'm I'm looking at the Saxeidor and the way the words are laid out.
0: No, like, no, 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 no. They're
2: laid out as four, five, four, five. No, no. So no. That it was typeset. I'm sorry.
0: Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> okay. Complaint okay. the quorum. Yeah. So here we go. So finally it wraps up. Baruch Atarunai, right. No Eloheno uh, Melech Olam because this is the ending blessing. Okay. So it says HaEl Melech Adol Batish Bachot. The God who is great in 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 his in in, in in worthy of praise, the God of of glorifications and miraculous things, who chooses shirazimra songs of melody, poems, psalms, Melech the King. Who is eternal? Okay? And this again is universal. This statement is universal. There's no reference here to us. You see it? It says Eloheinu. And I, yeah, I'm sorry, Elohenu will That's us. Okay? We may there's one statement. Okay, but the basic structure here is that the God who we're speaking of is this the great king, the great king, okay? We express it in this way because of the Psalms of David that are in our scripture. That's what it's saying. We as a people can express this, but we're talking about this God who is creator of everything. Okay, so now we have finished that. Now we're going to move on. Any other questions,
1: comments, etc., etc.? Yes, Paula. Hi um so the where it says yes that is saying blessings and praise, yes, from people to God, not from God to people
0: yes, that's what we're doing right that's okay. the gift remember I said before that Baruch may the, the verb baruch bait May gifting of some kind. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's original meaning, and that's we're sending up exactly. Yes, as inadequate as they may be, we continue to do it. Okay, thanks. Yep. Okay. By the one final thing, uh, I think Bible last time mentioned the story of Alicia Benabuya, with the 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 guy, the, the child fall in the tree, the whatever. I, I checked it, you should know, because I didn't remember where it was, and I, I, I was looking at uh, literally a dozen different articles on it, and they refer to it in the, ta- as being the Talmud, or the Midrash, but nobody cites a page. Nobody. Okay, and I was very, very disappointed. One second, Tyler. I now, I but I finally found it. After great digging, I finally found it. It's the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, Tractate Talmud, Chagigah, Chapter 2, Halacha 1. There you go. Okay, number 10. There it's found. So it's in the Talmud Yerushalmi. All right, there it is. Okay, Teibel, you had your hand up?
1: Um, yeah, I was going to say before you got there, I remembered the Chagiga. I didn't remember you shami. Yes, but, it's your, no, good. Yeah. But now that you called upon me, um, I did want to say before we end, because if it's sundown now in Los Angeles, it's long past sundown where I am in Maryland, it's now Tuba Av.
0: Yeah, Tuba so, av, right. So happy so Tuba av.
1: I wanted to wish everybody a happy Tuba of.
0: Let's go out and make Shiduchim, Right. One of the days that's associated with uh, making uh, a shudaf, you know, between a young man and a young woman. What's the other one? I
1: thought Yom Kippur afternoon. Yes, that's
0: the other one. In the afternoon on Yom Kippur, in the period, in, during the days of the Second Temple, there was a custom, tradition that people would make shidukim then too. It was a sign of hope that we have survived our tshuva, that God has forgiven us so we can make marriages. Okay. All right. Now we're going to now turn back to the section preceding Yishtavach that begins Nishmat Kol Chai. And in the, in the Max in a, the, uh, Lev Shalem, it's on page 67. And, um, Janet, I don't know, you should be able to find, it. just go, go back a few pages from Yishtabach and you should find Nishmat Kolchai before Shochenad. Okay. After the end of, uh, um, Shirat Hayam, Azashir is right there. Okay. Now this is, this is one of those sections of the Sidur that we bomb through, right? We've just stood up for the Song of the Sea, which is a powerful poem, you know. And at the other end is Yishtabach and Baruch and we start. So we sort of go through this and don't pay much attention to it. And what I want to suggest to you is that it's really worthy of our attention. It's a series of, it, it, it's clearly mixed authors. That have been redacted together into one piece, and it's filled with poetic elements. I mean you can just look at the way the text is laid out in the in the on page sixty seven okay, and on page sixty eight you see it's laid out in poetic form, and you can see how much of it clearly is is viewed by the the uh, authors, the editors of the prayer book. As reflecting poetry, and it, it really is, and it's the same thing that we've seen before, but here, over and over and over again, this repetitiveness. Okay, and again, you know, it's almost as if the author, or the the whoever put this together, or whoever wrote the different segments in it, was trying to convey this this mystical notion. Okay this mystical notion of this God who's so humongous that we have difficulty expressing that and, and, and comprehending it. All right. And if you think about it, um, well, let me, let me put it as a question. Is that good theology? Is that good theology to be confronted by a God who is just so powerfully overwhelming? Would this resonate with you? would you find it spiritually satisfying
2: i think it depends on whether it's a friendly power or a scary power which is why i always prefer awe to be the better translation of ira than fear okay I That's fine.
0: yeah i i understand that i sort of veer in that direction too
2: but i also think it's reality
0: yeah okay barbara I I think of if Hashem is overwhelmed, he. Not overwhelmed, is... overwhelming. Oh, overwhelming. Oh, okay. Nobody okay. overwhelms Hashem. <laughs> That's
3: what I was wondering. No, no, no. Overwhelming. Okay. Yeah.
0: Anybody else? Don't, don't be
3: bashful.
0: Oh, well, I. Oh, I'm
4: sorry. I, I was just <laughs> thinking I cannot imagine any other way. I just cannot think. Uh and and because we have all these um names or referral to Hashem or oh God that he's kind and he's our father, so uh I don't see how it can be overwhelming. Yes, he's powerful, but at the same time he's kind and caring. So the balance makes it a good way.
0: Yes. Good I understand. Okay, somebody else. Marlise, did you want to say something? Yes, I, I guess it
4: just makes me think about what Bert was saying, reality. I'm not exactly sure what he meant, but for me, I think of we don't have control is what really, you know, we're mortal and we don't, there are a lot of things beyond our control. So to be, um, overwhelmed and at, at certainly at times with how the world is and how our lives are seems understandable, um, and I don't know how much, if that's how we see God, if that's projecting something, I'm not sure, but uh, it, it it makes sense, since that's sort of, it can be our experience in our lives, that that, that might be
0: how we good, okay, good. picture God. Good, good. Anybody else? So let me offer another thing to consider here. <clears throat> I mentioned that, you know, that with with uh, Baruch Mar, God who spoke, right, really picks up the theme of the first creation account in the Torah, where God speaks ten times, all right? And remember, it's interesting because in the end he says to the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply so you have enough of you so you can rule right? You're in charge. Rule the other creatures, right? So God is appointing a lieutenant. He'll be the general, but the general is going to deal with the general, right? The universe. So he needs a lieutenant down here to manage this little planet, this little place called Earth. So that's supposed to be us. Okay. But then the point is, if it's us, Where's God, all right, comes Chapter Two, the second creation account. What's the God concept in the second creation account? How would you look, How would you consider what does God What does that God do to create the human being? Does he simply say, "Let there be a human being"?
4: Well, he first makes the space, the space and what's needed, right? What? First, he provides. The space and everything
0: else. Yes. Well, no, he first, well, he creates there. He creates something. Okay. Uh, but, but it doesn't, the garden of Eden was not yet created. First yeah, created that's correct. Being, okay. Because he needed the human being, it says to till the soil, which is strange. God needs somebody to till the soil. God could not create pre-tilled soil. All right? All right. All right. So you're close, though. But what does God do? How does God create this human being, Paula? What does it say? Uh,
4: God formed the human from the soil's humus, blowing
1: into his nostrils the breath of life. The human became a living being.
0: Exactly. So... He dirties his hands, so to speak, mm-hmm. right, in creating this human being. Comes into direct contact with the physical world. And the term Vayitser means literally to shape, to form. It's the same verb that's used for a person who makes pottery. The potter, yatzar is a yotzer. Okay? So now, is this the same God as chapter 1? No, this is a very close God. This is a God who dirties is is whatever God's hands are, right? But he takes, he he's shaping something, and then he blows from his energy, his wind, into the human being. How more intimate can you get? But that's the whole point. The God of the second account is an intimate God. God's right here. So what Marlies said before, God's no no, sorry, it wasn't Marlise. Janet said it. This is Ah, uh, this is Abba, this is the Father, right? This is the Father, caring, right? And He cares about this human being, right? Doesn't like the human being should be lonely. Deals with the loneliness. Later on, He makes clothing for Adam and Eve after He kicks them out of the garden. Okay, once they should, you know, shouldn't walk around naked. You know, all the other people, what other people? Anyway, that doesn't matter. All right. So the point is, that's a different God, a different God concept. Okay, And yet there's they're together one right after the other at the beginning of the book. Why? I mean, let's be honest. The people who took these ideas and wrote them down so others could read them. Not that they weren't dummies. Don't you think somebody realized that these are two almost contradictory notions? So why are they there, Barbara? Well,
3: I, I think it it shows that there's more than one side to a human being as well as to God. if If we were all the same, if everything was one-sided, we'd all be one thing and be a really boring society for us. You know, everybody would become a doctor or everybody would become a policeman. We wouldn't have anything else, but instead we have individuals. Some, some of us have more good sides and unfortunately some have more bad sides, but I think that, I think that was intended. Okay,
0: good. Yes. It's the nature of reality. Right. And when, when you, when you think about it, the whole concept of a multifaceted God, which is what this all talks about, you know, we got to bring it back down to earth and, and to realize that the awesome God may have a less awesome element, which is a personal element, a relational element. Okay. Uh, I've often suggested more sermonically than I don't know if it would fit into the category of critical analysis of the text. As a a human being needs to have both concepts of God. A single, every human, I don't know, every human being. Most people, I wouldn't say. There are times when you need to believe that God is this amazing power. And the world runs according to the will of God, right? There's chaos all around you and you feel that I can't handle it. So you say, okay, but I know, I believe one way or another that there is this unifying force in the universe and somehow or another we're going to, there's, in the end, there's going to be something that will do away with the chaos. Maybe not in this world. Remember, we developed the concept of a life after. That's part of it. But but we have that faith. On the other hand, there are times when we need a God who's, who gives us a hug, who's right here, who's listening, who hears our tears, or who celebrates our joy. And there are two different kinds of needs, and perhaps everything in between. So perhaps what we have here is, is a kind of a, um, it's, it's called a, a merism, experiences of God from A to Z. Okay. One follows the other, but it means and everything in between. Totally awesome, distant, powerful, unable to comprehend fully, totally intimate, present, right here. And we move like on a kind of a a pendulum between these extremes, or at least the population does. As Barbara mentioned, we're not all the same. So some of us need this, some of us need that, some of us need this. But I'm suggesting that each individual, each one of us may need, at different points, different senses of relationship. So that's why, again, it's, it's worth thinking about these things. And, and it begins just to jump back in. I saw some hands just a second. Um, nishmat kol chai, right? The soul of every living creature, right? That, that, that very private inner soul, right? Your spirit praise blesses God. Will will press bless God. It begins with the individual human being. Thing seems to be each living creature. So maybe that that's the key, the hint. Bert,
2: I was going to comment on what you were just saying, but that's moving backwards. If you want to move forward, that's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, my, my own experience with that is that it it changes from day to day in terms of which god i'm relating to and how i'm relating to it and it even changes throughout the service based on a lot of the words that's yes, right exactly. and so so it's not it's not like god is x or god is y or these 10 years god is x and next 10 years god is y for me it's it's both at
0: yes no i i agree 100%
2: so I was supporting what you were
0: saying. Yes, no, I agree. Exactly. Sure. Uh, that's the nature of reality too. I mean, that's why, for example, you have in Kabbalah the series of spherot, the lower levels of the divine presence. It's because that's how they understood the uh, present, how, how the divine presence could be right here with us, but at the same time be there. That was there. That's one interpretation. Okay. Um, Maimonides believed that each human being can ultimately create a relationship with God if they if they develop their their mind. But it's going to be a relationship that is not so intimate. It's an intellectual relationship, flashes of understanding. Uh, most a lot of people had difficulty with that, which may be one of the reasons why mysticism took hold. In the, in the latter part of the middle ages into the, into today, how that whole thing developed. They wanted to be able to know and feel that, that, you know, I can grab. So it depends how, how you understand it. Okay. So again, let's look, read, please, up until, yeah, look where the break is. You alone we thank. Okay. It depends how you read this. I want to suggest that the first two lines, which, which speaks of all individual, everybody, everybody. Okay. All flesh seems like all, even the, it sounds like even the animals, even the animals, um, are praise God. Okay.
2: Isn't it says high, isn't it? Like everything alive. Yes. Would that include plants?
0: Well, I don't know, but it, it says here, kolbasar. Ruach kolbasar. Oh, no, but nishmat kolchai, but then it says ruach kolbasar. Oh. Means fleshy things. Oh. Okay, so they, they, one sort of defines the other. Okay, and I don't think the ancients believed that plants, uh, had the capacity. I think they understood that animals, you know, look, remember in the Bible, for better or for worse, there are talking animals.
2: When was this written? Do you know this prayer?
0: Oh, I mean, it's...
2: Middle Ages. Later uh, Gionic, later Gionic period. You taught us that. Middle
0: oh, Ages. <laughs> Remember, that's the answer. Gionic period. Nobody knows. Nobody knows for sure. Parts of it are meant... There are elements in here that are found in the Talmud. So some parts we can say, you know, around 200, about 300 BC, C.E. CE. OK, but it, uh, I don't know if anybody, maybe some I haven't seen it, I, you know, literally broke it down into the periods from, where, you know, uh, from which it emerged. It's clear, however, that it's a result of the thinking of what we would call the greater rabbinic period, right, from the time of the completion of the, let's say, from about the third century down into the early Middle Ages, including the Gaonic period. When these ideas developed, okay, all right. So I'm going to suggest that all souls praise God, and what is it that they say? From the very beginning to the very end of time, you are God, okay. But but keep keep in mind, there's one thing here. It it says tevarech, tevarech. That's a future tense. Literally, it means, <laughs> the soul of all living creatures will bless you, and the spirit of all flesh will uh praise you and elevate you, okay? So the question is, this is universal, but is this now, or is it something that is yet to happen? Is this a hope, okay? Cause we're going to see that there's going to be a shift in the second segment. Okay. So then it says, you have, you are the eternal God and we have no king or redeemer like you, right? Who redeems and saves and supports and who that, who is compassionate. The whole eight at any, t- at any time of suffering, pain, you are the only king. Okay. Then it goes on, God of the Rishonim, and the God of the ancients and of the older and of the la- latter, God of all creatures, Kolbriot, all generations, praised with great, pra- with great praises, who manages his world with loving kindness and his creatures with compassion. Okay. I think that this is what, he, what, 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 what all, what this is saying is all creatures will do this. This is what they're, what will happen. This is the dream. And then it goes on. God does not slumber or sleep, right? Rather, he, he awakens those who sleep. And again, it says, again, wakes up those who are sleeping and he causes, uh, the mute to speak and he frees up those who are bound and he rises up, raises up those who, who, uh, have fallen down and who straightens up those who are bent over. You alone do we praise. Okay, all right, so that is what I think this is saying is the hope this is the hope that you find in the prophet in the last chapter of the book of Malachi, which we find at the end of a number of our own prayers in the Sidur at the Alenu in particular, right Echad Ushmo Echad. in that day. God will be one, his name will be one. So I think this is talking about that day, okay? All right. This is a God who may be awesome, but clearly this is a God also, this is the other side of it. Look what look what it says. This is a God who wakes up those who sleep, right? Uh, here. So mech noflim That's, we write that in the Amida parts of these things similar. Zokeith kefufim, right? These are terms that pop up in liturgy in other places as well. So there's little tropes in here. But now let's talk about the poetic aspect. So we have again in the, the Hebrew here in the, uh, without starting with beside you. We have no sovereign who redeems and liberates, rescues and saves, shows us kindness and sustains. Okay, one of those string of name of of of, of uh, qualities, right? Of characteristics. Six times, six of them. And then we have that God is the God of all ages, of creature God. all so it's poetic here, actually. Master of all generations, extolled in this place, okay, guides the world with love and its creatures with compassion. Right? You see this it's set up as if it's poetic. And the same thing in the Hebrew here. So these you have here an element of poetry, and, and there's a series of three uh three word uh elements here. The God of the Rishonim and Akronim, the early and the later. The God of all creatures. The God of all generations. Praised in, man, in great magnitude. Okay? So this is, the, 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 this is, these are poetic structures that are woven in here. And then look what it says. Who guides the world with love and its creatures with? there's that word rachamim rachamim okay so this is a compassionate God and that term pops up love here is chesed which is also said to be loving kindness okay grace and kindness and compassion often go together as terms okay so this is clearly a God who is accessible right who cares then this next part. God, uh, does not sleep or slumber. He is Now listen carefully. Ma'o rare yesheinim. Me nirdamim. Me siyach Matir asurim. So noflim, no Zo kfufim. Okay. There's six of these little statements, one right after the other. With the verb and a and a noun, the action and the one receiving the action it's a structure, it's poetic. you can hear the rhythm, mekiats near damim, mesiach matir asurim, vehasomech noflem, vazoke ke you hear it, it's poetry, and so this is whom we praise now. there's a shift, and if you'll notice down here. Where this goes, um, when you find this kind of a term, look at the bottom line read it read that that next paragraph to yourselves, okay, and then you'll see what follows. Read the second paragraph, okay, So we begin first of all with anatomy, okay? We have our mouths, our tongues, our lips, our eyes, our arms, and our feet. Okay, so the, our whole human, our whole body is praising God. And I, it's, it, I think it's, it's gorgeous here. Look at the translation here. For our mouths to fill with song is the sea, our tongues sing endlessly like waves. Our lips offer praise like the limitless sky. Our eyes shine like the sun and the moon. Our arms spread heavenward like eagles' wings and our feet run as fast as deer. That's beautiful poetry, no matter what language it's written in. Okay, and the whole point is, what is it saying? We cannot satisfactorily praise God. It's that same theme again. Right? Adonai Eloheinu v'eloheya v'otainu v'motainu. Right? our God, God of our ancestors so now we're not talking about all creatures now we're getting down to the intimacy of the relationship between God and the Jewish people you'll
1: see the next line you'll see it Teibel so before I read it if if someone had asked what body parts would you expect to see I would have expected to see heart because of Uh, all the meaning that heart had biblically and rabbinically. Do you think that it's not there because all the body parts that are there are ones that other human beings can see?
0: Would be, right? But if you think, the first three deal with speech, right? Mouth, tongue, lips, our eyes, our hands, and our feet. So, yeah, I mean, these are the most, the heart. You know, the heart was not considered to be of the same nature as these other parts of the body back then. The heart was seen as the center. It was almost, the heart was like the brain is to us. In antiquity, that was the heart. It had the feel. it, it was combination, emotion, intellect, feelings, activation. I mean, you know, the blood flowed from the heart controlled the whole body in their eyes. So, um, that's, that's what this, that, that, that's, I think that's why it's not mentioned. These are the more immediate, more, more physical parts of this. And I think it's done intentionally. When you say heart, you're already getting mystical, philosophical, poetic. You know, I mean, it's poetry, but I mean, it's, it, it represents something else. And this was intended to be, really quite physical. That—that's my uh, impression. Joel, Joel. So, yes. I'm just curious. I know a lot of
3: Hebrew prayers are translated not very literally from Hebrew to, into English to make it sound better. And my Hebrew is not good enough to do this whole paragraph here. Is this fairly clear?
0: Fairly much the same in Hebrew as it is in English? Close, yeah. I mean, it's closer than, let's say, than previous translations have been. They made an effort to try to pick up the the uh, structure and the cadence of, of the Hebrew. Yeah.
2: The Hebrew, the Hebrew sounds more poetic to me. Yes, it is. Just in terms of the sound of the words.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes
3: yeah a long A long time ago, when Sam Weiler was teaching me to read Hebrew, you know and I came across these paragraphs where everything ended with ha or oat, and I said, "What is this with Hebrew that everything has the ha or the oat or and and I never really thought of it as being poetic and i his mind apparently didn't feel that way either, but it is it's still interesting to me. The way Hebrew puts everything that way, and it is, it does sound poetic when, when I'm listening to you and the, these things do sound poetic in Hebrew. Yeah, because but of the I, way they list them that way. But it,
0: they use the endings here to create the poetry. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's Thanks. what I'm saying. Yes. Janet?
1: Yeah, it,
4: it's just related. To what Barbara mentioned about interpretation and and I realized that I, I thought not to mention it, but just because you brought it up the the first word nishmat is translated as breath so we we, we have nishama, which is soul and nishima, which is breathing yes yes so th- this could be also two different interpretations or meanings um yeah. Yes. Am I praising God with all my breath or am I praising God with my soul? Well,
0: so look, it, it's, it's, yeah. So it's. Well, Ruach called Basar, right? Ruach is a wind, but it's also a spirit. And uh, Nishama, yeah. Yeah. Verb as, 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 uh, to breathe. Nasham. Yeah. Okay, so I, yes, I mean, these are terms that are, um, intentional that, that, that are by their very nature, multi, have multi facets to them. They're multifaceted terms. Correct.
4: Right. I mean, if, even in English, breath could be also like breath and depth. Could it be, is it the same word? In breadth this way? Yeah, when you cover breadth, meaning um, wide, broad.
0: Isn't there a D in that? Yeah.
4: Yeah, that, that's... Oh, definitely. okay, so it's a different word. Okay, mm-hmm.
3: okay, my bad. Okay. <laughs> all right, so now... I have know. another question before you go on. Yeah. And And that is that this includes
0: all creatures. Now, we know what kind of souls humans have. This is, this is, this is part of the section from the children of Israel. You know what kind of souls dogs have or horses have or
3: giraffes have to, I mean, they're not praying to God and this is like, we're,
0: we're praying for them. Right. No, no, no. This, this is now talking about people. This is us. Oh, okay. It's Pinu. Our, our mouths, our tongues, our, our, our. No, this is now clearly human beings. And my point is, this is part of the statement about from the Jewish people. This is not really universal. This is Jewish people. Okay? But then it goes on to say, we are not able to praise you for, listen to this, al-achat me'elef al fe al-afim v'ribe'i Rivavot for the thousand... Of thousands of thousands and many tens of thousands of times that you have done wonderful things for us. That number, eleph, alfe, alafim, veribe, veribe, rivavot, it means gazillions. Like multiply it as you go along, right? See where, how many zeros does it end up with? That's the point. Those how much you've how much you've done for us again, exaggeration in order to create an effect. Okay? So I'm going to finish this up in a minute because it's running late. Anyhow, what, and so what was it that God did for us? Mimitsraimaltanu Mibetin Peditanu Berav Zantanu kilkaltanu bei me eh hitzaltanu uvadever milatatanu umehayalim me me mecholayim ra'im benemanim dilitanu so get altanu zantanu kilkaltanu hitzaltanu milatatanu dilitanu you hear it it's poetry All these different things God did for us, took us out of slavery, hunger, famine, sword, disease, all kinds of bad stuff. All right. God's compassion was there for us. And please, God, don't abandon us forever. Wow. I'm going to stop here. Okay. Because it's time to start. It's getting late. All right.